Blog Talk Radio. And you know what? You can always count on Matt Charney, at Matt Charney, to keep you clued in to what's happening in recruiting. And today I saw a tweet of his from the HR Tech Conference, and it opened my eyes to some code words that I'd never thought of before. Matt, you see, is walking around the floor of the conference, and he tweets something like for, quote, for, I don't know if it's an exact quote, paraphrase, for a business that claims to care about diversity, there's sure a lot of Rush fans here. There's a lot of Rush fans at this conference, and it hit me suddenly, Rush fan is a dog whistle. It's a dog whistle. It's a code that only people who know something about Rush are going to understand. You be quiet, Jerry. We'll talk I, to you I'm, later. I'm fuming here already. Heck, I can't help it. I am a Rush fan. I grew up two miles away from Getty Lee's house, oh, and I'm Getty, not. Man, but, he was the best. Let me finish this, okay? I'm so, just pissed. Matt, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matt, start again. Just start again. Start again. Getty went to Northview. I went to Fleming, okay? Those are the different high schools. And McKenzie was in between us, right? So, anyway, it hit me. So, you, that you, what Matt is doing, you, he's defining people in terms of the music you know, he thinks they listen to. And when you do that, you can say things in public that are not politically correct. For instance, mm. if he would have said there's a lot of Beatle fans here, you'd know he's talking about old people, right? And there's a rhetorical term for this. It's called synecdoche. Synecdoche. You use a word that is part of something to refer to the whole thing. Like if you say graybeard, it can stand for an old man, right? And there's another closely related rhetorical technique you can use as well. It's called metonymy. Metonymy. You refer to something by talking about something else that it's closely related to. For instance, the word crown can be used to talk about a king or a queen. Do you understand, right? I hope you do, because the implications of this in recruiting are absolutely massive, okay? If you've got an office full of English literature graduates, they know this stuff, and they can cause a lot of problems because they've got their own language, like Pig Latin, that can circumvent the language that's allowed, right? When they're looking at resumes, they might tell each other, Oi vey! Another Taylor Swift fan, right? And you don't want them doing that. So that's a tip, a takeaway for recruiting managers from Jerry. Jerry! What show is this? This is a recruiting animal Okay. Uh, where's my check? <laughs> yeah. That's all I gotta what say. We don't need we don't need to air this dirty laundry here. But I'm saying it. There's a way to get it better again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to talk to our sponsor about that, Martin Snyder at PC Recruiter. Maybe mm, never heard of him. Never heard of him. PC Recruiter. Okay. What do they do? PCRecruiter.net, they make software for all kinds of recruiting, and I'll be talking about them right through the show. So you'll learn a little if you just right, hold right. person. And I want to give you a chance to talk, Jerry. I understand you've got a problem with your famous uh, recruitinglibrary.com site. You want to tell us oh, about it? Oh, hey, thanks, Animal. Uh, not, not so much a problem, just uh, a, a request maybe. Um, 
as many people, and I'm, I'm assuming hundreds, if not thousands, of recruiters know, if you go to recruitinglibrary.com, there are all sorts of, oh, job order forms, applicant sheets, uh, interview forms, fee statements, all that. But the supply, there's not as much variety as yeah, I would I like. Tell, you're, you're not doing a good job. Jerry, is the, this is the story. He's a little red hand. Who the hell is getting there? Please send me. Hey, hey, hold on. Please send me some forms and agreements and stuff that you use so I can add them to the recruitinglibrary.com list of free forms for recruiters. I was getting there, man. Can you ruin that? You're a lousy. You stink, okay? Jerry's a little red hen. He puts up a bunch of uh, uh, full f- um, f- forms there, and people keep asking for them. But do you think any of these other people give him their stuff to put up there to share? No. No. It's they don't share Jerry, that. They don't care that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't share that, but they want more. All the work himself. Yeah, so okay. please help me out. Recruitinglibrary.com. How can they get in touch with you? Call you. Jerry. Okay, just call the show and talk to him just here. Let's show. get to the guest. Let's, Let's get it. to the guest, Andrew Godomsky. Are you here? I am here. That's Congratulations. Sounds Congratulations, great. Andrew. G-A-D-O-M-S-K-I. <laughs> okay, I bet you, Jerry, he likes... Uh, what's that dance that ever polkas? Yeah, <laughs> another polka fan here. Okay, there we go. Okay, what what's makes you your... say that? Uh, uh, Matt Charney made me say it. Okay, All Matt right. Charney made me. All right. Okay, now uh, elevator speech. Give us yours, and it better be good. It better be good, or or, or what's going to happen? You're going to throw me down the elevator shaft. I'll interrupt you if it's no good. That's what the the threat is. I can do your elevator speech in a second. Yeah, so so I run a data analytics business that specializes in analyzing uh, recruiting. Uh, We work with large-scale businesses that staff all over the world, and we look at their costs and how their recruiters do their activity using the systems that they have. And we tell okay, them how to do okay, things better, good, faster, good. cheaper. Now you're getting verbose. Now you're getting verbose. And look, I tend to think of you as a very good speaker. You don't sound excited today. Pep it up a little, I'm okay? I'm excited. Do, do not fail I'm, me. I'm here. Yeah, you're here, but are you mentally here or mm. spiritually here? That's the important thing. Okay, here's a question for you. I'm just getting right into this. No songs about New Jersey. Nothing like that. I want to know from you, Andrew Godomsky, is company purpose a factor in recruiting? Because, you know, I see articles about it all the time, and I just think it's baloney. But you posted on my Facebook group, you said, recruiters have a choice. They can use their skills to find programmers who make some damn app, or they can recruit the talent that makes our world better. Our team designed recruiting for the largest producer of vaccines globally. That recruiting group, blah, 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 how great it is. They protect people from disease. What's up with that? That sounds like crap to me. Go ahead. No, that's not crap. People got to have purpose. And, you know, people get up for all kinds of reasons every day. They get up for their kids. They get up for themselves. They get up for their to, – to do great work. And when you meet a recruiter who finds a sense of purpose in what they do, you can hear it in their voice. You can hear it uh, as they talk about their company – and they're authentic. And, and that's what's important. If, if, if a recruiter thinks that there's a really good sense of purpose for a company, they're going to get better talent to come to that company because they're going to be able to know whether or not that person also has that same purpose. And so I think a company's purpose has a lot to play in recruiting, and it can hey, really shape how a recruiter okay, hold on a second. Wait a second. Don't bottle caps uh, play a strategic role in the world, helping lots of people. Don't uh, those tin cans, the beer come in, uh, don't they make a big difference in the world? Don't they help people? I want to know from the other people who are calling into this show, has anyone ever recruited someone for a company by telling them that the company you know, has some idealistic function in the world? Well, Animal, well, I think what 
he's saying is, is, I don't know if this is an animal bad word or not, but it's company culture and whether that person can fit into the company's culture or not. Oh, he's saying a little more than that, Kathy Manis, the famous Kathy Manis. He's saying they're doing something that helps the world, and, and people want to work for comp- – the good people want to help for work for companies that help the world. Come on. Jerry, do you believe that? Uh, I, I, I'm still listening, and I'm actually uh, reading Andrew's LinkedIn uh, profile. Okay, I've got I'm a trying to put a background it. with the voice here. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment, uh, uh, or was it just going to be like a fight between me and uh, Andrew and you know? I'm surprised nobody? Jerry okay. didn't say people just want a paycheck. Yeah, they want a paycheck. That's what they want. Well, they, okay. They mostly do. Yeah. And that sounds like something I would say, Maureen. How did you know that? Right. And, and, and I'm not talking about. Yeah, I'm not saying that people don't want a paycheck. Sure, they do. But there are there are plenty of recruiters that can say I'm going to take my skill set and I'm going to move to a company that's in healthcare or in education or works for a nonprofit and I'm going to make sure that that company moves forward because I believe in that company. There are absolutely people who who are in any other profession that make that choice. They're going to take their financial skills, their operational skills. Give me, an skills, skills. Give me skills. one example. Oh, 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 who's that? I'm asking. I'm begging people. And, you know, next time you come on the show, give us the name of a recruiter who moved for, you know, uh, a minor salary to a company that does great work, okay, for for the little people of the world or something okay. like that. People, okay? do, people do that, animal. You don't think that um, people go to please, work for man. companies where they on, want dude. to love something? What's wrong with you? Of course they do. <laughs> Every charity what? is regularly exposed that the that the CEOs are making a million dollars a year, and you know ten percent is going to the corner bakery for cinnamon muffins. I don't think people have that kind of choice. I don't think people have that kind of choice. Yeah, there, look, there are plenty of people who have to take a job because they got to take a someone job. Someone in their car. But there's plenty of people who want to go and work for a hospital to make them feel good and to help people. You don't think well, there's recruiters that, listening well, to that good who are working at a hospital that, who love what they do? No, no I don't. Okay. Time, time to move on. Time to move on, okay? Now, Jerry right. was talking about your uh, – your LinkedIn profile, and you say, I started Aspen Advisors in 2006 because I wanted to build a firm that used real evidence and proof to make decisions. People didn't appreciate my vision right away. Why use proof and data and logic to make decisions about staffing instead of hunches and guesswork, okay? So you describe the talent acquisition leaders as idiots, really. I like your, you got the best LinkedIn summary I've ever read. It's funny and it's true. You said I wanted to work with business leaders who would check their ego at the door and improve recruiting without excuses. And you say you had to starve a while before you could get customers like that, right? Absolutely. And by the way, I got to give credit to Steve Levy for challenging me to have a LinkedIn profile like that. It was actually he and I had a conversation. I changed it right after I talked to Steve and said, you know what? I'm going to tell everybody exactly my what happened. Yeah. Okay. So There is a typo you... in there, though, so I'd take another peek at it, Andrew. Yeah, there are. No, I, I, I I there's some, some typos in there, homie. Yeah, there's quite a few. I got okay. you. Thank you. No problem. Doesn't look very professional. Okay. It's general but, but... assistant manager. It's to the manager. Yeah, the content is good. So you're <laughs> saying what we always say, that the hiring managers are dummies, right? Oh, I didn't say hiring managers are dummies. I just think people need to check their ego and listen more. Give us an example. No, 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 no. Andrew, don't back away from what you wrote. You said, why use proof and data and evidence and logic instead of, like, astrology to make uh, decisions? Why did you say that? Oh, that's different. You didn't ask me that. But, no, because what ends up happening is people, you know, it's it's not their fault. But you're moving so fast, you don't stop and, and take a look at all the evidence around you to come up with why is this happening. And, and for years it's been hard. we got all this data caught up in, a, in an ATS that's either great or crappy, but you don't want to pull it out. Okay, we're just saying slow down, take a look at the evidence that you got, and then make decisions based on that. Don't just Give say, us one example. like this. 
Give us one example. One example? Great example. For years, people have been talking about, you know, stuff like quality of hire, right, and how good people are. Meanwhile, no one looks at performance reviews. Nobody asks the questions. No one looks at the oper- – no one even looks at something as simple as, are our customer service associates good? I say, can I get a copy of the customer service satisfaction surveys you send out? And recruiting looks at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, why don't you find out if they're doing well, what do your customers say? Oh, they're doing great? Well, I guess they're doing okay, but you think they're bad performers. Why? Look at the data that you got. Look at the evidence that you got. It's right there. Make decisions oh, yeah, based I, on I, that. I don't know. Jerry, do you know what he, Maureen, do you know what he's talking about? <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, no, okay. but. No, you're boring us, okay? Uh, oh, my God. He's talking, about, he's talking about what they've got in their database, which is powerful, yeah. but he's okay, right. But they the don't look at it gave, too much work. Example. It wasn't a recruiting example. He's talking about evaluating yeah. the... Maureen no, didn't no. even hear a word you said, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. No, if, okay. if you go ahead, Maureen, if I'm going to recruit more I'm customer listening. service people... And, yeah. the, and the value, and, and what people are saying is, we have bad customer service people. We need to get more of them. We need to get better ones. I say, great. Underst- I understand that problem. Can I take a look at the satisfaction surveys that your actual customers fill out that tell us how your customer service is doing? Oh, and they look at me that. like I'm crazy. And I say, yeah. guys, you, you're, your net promoter score is off the chart with this, with this group. What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, we don't like how they engage. And I'm like, okay, now we're getting to the right situation. You don't like how they work together. You just not like you don't like the talent. They're performing great. That's what I'm saying. Listen to the evidence. Look for it. Then solve that uh-huh. problem. Don't, have, don't just say, I think it's wrong. Find out what's wrong. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, it's beyond me. Okay, you also say, I started out. <laughs> You also say, I started Aspen Advisors in 2006 because I thought too many recruiting departments... This is hard, isn't it, Michael? Listen, they're wasting their money and time on tools they don't understand. And they're buying training that was only taught once, I guess because it's no good. And using vendors who couldn't find water if they fell out of a boat, let alone candidates. That's rough talk. Come on. It's true. What does that it's mean? It's true. Dude, look, you're either going to get on board and you're – I know that you're – I'm preaching to the choir on this call. Everything that you just said that I wrote, you know happens in the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad it does. (laughs) Frankly. Sorry, man. That's the industry I'm in. Right, right. We we have to budget. You know, we've got got 100 recruiters working for us. We've got to give them training and development. And then last minute, somebody shows up at a conference somewhere and says, good, we gave him training and development because they get HRCI credits. Meanwhile, those recruiters are sitting in there. Some of them are leaning in and they're listening, while some of them, let's be honest, are banging on their phones working on recs while they're at the training. What I'm saying is don't do that. Make it deliberate. No, no, no. Or they're in the bar <laughs> getting drunk. Okay. Hey, anyway. Now. Hold on. What do you mean by you this? To, you, you don't mean, need to say that kind of stuff, Maureen. The show's getting Are kind of sure? clogged down. I'll say it myself. Recruiters what do not drink. Mean? What does this mean? Oh, okay. What does this mean? Using vendors who could not find water if they fell out of a boat, let alone candidates. Let's focus on that. What do you mean? There are plenty, there are plenty of, of, organi- of vendors out there, whether they're <clears> technology or outsourcing providers. Let's be honest. They're trying to get business. They're trying to get more licensed subscribers. They're constantly developing, but they tend to overreach, right? They've got shysters. Three... Are we talking shysters? No, 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 no. no. It's, everybody's got two or three or four great core competencies for their technology or their or their no. or their service provider, rather right? as a service provider. They can do usually a few things really, really well. What I caution people to do is to say, that company can do everything. You know what? They can't. Figure out what they can do really well, and if they tell you they can do things well, then hold them accountable. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, hold on. I was going to ask you about your own business development techniques. Here's what you say. I finally faked out. I faked out a killer brochure and landed my first two deals by way of over 
promising. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Animal, I, I think I see where you're going with this, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Why not? Okay, okay. You're saying that he just said that that's exactly what he did, and yeah. now he's in the business of helping people not do that or to recognize that that's what's been done to them? That's very Go weird. Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Talk to Jerry. Talk to that's Jerry. It's like smashing somebody's window and then coming along with a window that just happens to fit on sale. Hey, man, I, I, never, I never apologize for over-promising, losing money on my first few deals, investing my own cash, and taking it on the chin. So why do you get the experience to do what I do today? I would never look back and do I would always do that again. Just like you know, Trump. Saying that, you can do, saying, saying that you're going to put in your best effort and probably say, you know what, I've never done that, but I'm going to do it for you. You know what, I wish more people would do that shit. Excuse me, sorry. I wish they would say, sorry, but I, wish they would. I wish they would say, I'm not sure if I can do this, but I'm going to certainly try. Rather than, here's my service level agreement, we can only do so much. You know what, at least be honest. And if that means you've yeah. got to go ahead and invest a little bit more money as me, as I did, for my business, that's because that was 10 years ago. No. You know what? You is, got, is, the hourly rate, is, is, is the rate charged for the old college try the same <laughs> as for your expertise? I mean, Oops. just wondering. <laughs> I mean, I'll give something a go, but at my standard rate. Will you pay me to fail? you think you could pay me to fail? <laughs> same rate. He said he took a hit. He said he took a hit. Okay, he already told us, but on his LinkedIn profile, he doesn't say that he was honest about it. He said he overpromised. That's promising to do something that you don't admit that you've never done before. But anyway, let's move on. Actually, I'm I don't like do the overpromise. I'm sorry. Why not? I, I like I like to have my customers expecting me to absolutely do what I say I'm going to do. Because yeah, yeah, it's only within that range or realm that I can commit and expect them to do what they said they're going to do. Yeah, so I don't want to just play uh, pin the tail on the donkey uh, with maybe I can do this, maybe I can't. I don't like okay. overpromising. Yeah, I'm okay with overpromising and delivering. Mm, okay. <laughs> Wasn't it? Yeah, so that would be like fake overpromising, pretending <laughs> like you're overpromising, yes. knowing you're going to punch it right in the bullseye. I like yeah, it. Overpromising and underdelivering. Let's not be doing that. So you want to overpromise and deliver it? Sign me up. Okay. Right. I'm going to do an ad, everybody. I'm going to go grab a sandwich. We can't, we can't hear you, okay? If that's Philip from England, the sound isn't so good today. But you can try again in a second after I do an ad that's going to pay for this show, okay? Anyway, hey, everybody. You know, if you listen to this show, that our sponsor is PC Recruiter. PC Recruiter, and they have a saying. They say, recruiting is recruiting is recruiting. And I just thought, maybe they base it on a rose is a rose is a rose. I don't know. But what do they mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. They love recruiting. And they love recruiters, right? And that means every kind of recruiter. They don't say, we love recruiting and then make software that's better for staffing companies and sell it to everybody. And they don't say, we love recruiters and make software that's really best for executive search and sell it to everybody. No, they don't. They say, we love everybody and they make software for all kinds of recruiting, and they mean it. Yes, they do. So check them out, please, at PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Tell them do Jerry they, sent you. Go do ahead. they have a theme song, by the way? I, maybe you should write one. Nah, okay? I'm just thinking. Just yeah, throwing that out there. Does anybody have a question for the great Andrew Godomsky? And I have a lot of respect for Andrew. He's one of the most articulate people I know, even Absolutely. if we're giving him a, a hard time today. Anybody got a question for him before I go on? Ten, nine, eight. I do, I do, going? I do, yes. Yes, I do. Go ahead. Andrew, in in this world of service that you provide, how, how is the competition? I see other people that I suspect do the same thing as you. Maybe I'm so Sarah, Sarah Brennan, um, 
some of those people. Do you run into those folks, or is it such a wide-open world of helping these companies recognize where they're losing money with HR that it's just a huge ocean and you never see anybody? No, I mean, we, we, you know, we, we see people who there's clearly consultants, right? Whether they're yeah. you know a, a, a small group like of partners or just a uh, you know one person with a single, there's there's lots of people who say I can help you and I can yeah. make you better, faster, cheaper. There's, there's no question. And there's lots of great people. You mentioned Sarah; she's one, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think where we kind of stand apart is companies send us all of their data out of all of their systems every day and they outsource all the management of that data to us. That's pretty unique. We're and then when you say us, to do that. Who, who is us? Well, myself and my team. I have a okay. team of people I have employed. Okay. Yeah, cool. That yeah. was a trick question. He was trying to nail you, okay? He wanted you to say us is just me, but I knew better, okay? No, I, I didn't. Yes, you did. You're the guy that asked the. Uh, don't don't get I don't started. ask. I wanted to know. You sandbag people and try to catch him in a lie. I do not. I do not. It's not true. Okay. You're projecting. I don't do that. Okay. I'm going to get up. I'm going to ask him a question though that he might be embarrassed about. I read an article oh. by him. I well, read that's an article. A, that's a rare thing for you to do. And he said. If you're doing volume recruiting, you don't need recruiters to screen the resumes. Am I right about that, Andrew Godomsky? Yeah, I think you should have the operator screen the resumes. What's an operator? If if you're if you're like a high volume recruiter, if you have high volume recruiting like you're a retail bank and you hire like 25,000 tellers a year, like some of our clients do, why don't you have the tellers do the screening? Well, how are they going to do their regular Brilliant. job? And, in fact, you say in the article. You pay them. Brilliant. You pay them. There are, they're usually hourly employees. You can pay them overtime or you pay them bonuses. They you just tell them it. to do it, they man. It's their job. They, do you think qualifying resumes is that easy or are your jobs that easy to fill? No. On, on high-volume jobs, on high-volume jobs, I think that recruiters should be, say, focused on these are the people who likely we need to hire those types of things, and keep their keep their work high vol uh, keep their work high integrity, you know high value. But when That's it comes to high volume work, yeah, they, they, you can have you can you can easily have other people screen those resumes. You're losing the audience animal. Well, no, so. I'm not, Kathy. Do you have something important to say? Because I've got something. So why not for every resume, if you're hiring engineers, why not have the engineering team look at them first? Could you do that? Yeah. No way. I mean, you're saying our jobs basically can be replaced by anybody if there is no. The, what? An engineer no. knows what an engineering resume ought to be. But, but no, I, I wouldn't have an engineer screening nurse resumes. No, but I don't necessarily agree with that, Jerry. I don't huh. think that everybody knows how to read a resume. I mean, that's an art in itself. You guys may disagree, they but do Andrew, not. Andrew. Andrew, so the screening, that. the screening that I, the screening that I think maybe you're quoting is, we had we had companies actually listen to phone interviews, and people would ask, you know, so you'd have someone do like a five question, they'd, ask, they'd do a recording, and people would say, here's my answers to these five questions, and the people who listened to the the responses were not recruiters; they were actually people who do the job. Okay, so she said they're not qualified to screen candidates. True or not? Well, do they know all the legal, you know, questions they can ask and not ask? And you know, uh, here comes Kathy with somebody's going to get sued. Well, yeah, Kathy, okay. you don't need to worry about that stuff uh, all you know the time. What, Kathy, do you really? He, you know what, Kathy? They don't make up the questions; they just listen to the answers. Am I right about that, Andrew? Is that That's the right. answer to that? Okay, fine. That's Moving right. on. Moving on, moving on. Andrew was supposed to be at the HR Tech Conference, but he's got a personal issue that uh, prevented him from going. But I'm going to ask him a question based on some of the sessions I I see listed there. One of them uh, essentially says that recruiting technology is not helping recruiting. Here's the uh, promo. Despite significant investments in recruiting technologies, 
organizations still report that hiring has never been more difficult with the average time to fill an open position reaching historic levels. What's the story there, Andrew? Uh, well, you know, by the way, I love when people like say stuff like historic levels and they don't put a number. So, you know, you know, so historic levels could be like one day more than it was like five years ago. But that being said, I, I think what we've got here is maybe we're a little bit we got a lot more movement in the market. People are moving from one job to another a lot more frequently than they were. We have a lot more employers than we did, and it's more socially acceptable to to go from one company to another every couple of years, every eighteen months, or at least or our businesses are moving people faster through the ranks. And so what we've got is we just have a lot more wrecks that are being processed, and the technology is having trouble keeping up with that kind of volume. Meanwhile, we haven't necessarily created a whole lot of jobs in recruiting. You know, if we, were, if we doubled the number of recruiters in the country, you know, we wouldn't have a, we wouldn't have a technology problem. We have a technology I'm, problem because yeah, we got uh-huh. people carrying 100 wrecks, 50 wrecks, uh-huh. 70 wrecks. Yeah. Okay, so that's the problem, not the technology. Nice answer. Hey, I said Philip Marks would have if he wanted to say something from over in England and we could hear him. He's welcome. To I just speak. wanted to Philip check Marks. My, Yeah, how am I sounding? Not bad. Not bad. Okay, now I was just going to refer back to you know overpromising um, and um, Mr. Richard Branson, how he started out his business and what his he was a great advocate of that. I just wondered whether or not Andrew got. Uh, got it from Mr. Branson himself, um, but also um, when it comes to you know maybe adding, adding, doubling the amount of recruiters to help out. I don't know. I would say doubling the quality of recruiters would be a lot better than just doubling the numbers. Oh, I, I love that idea. Yeah, let's make it. Let's make it where people have more value, right? And and they feel better about their work. I. It, I love that because, you know, I, I hate listening to a recruiter who says, who says to me, this is what frustrates you. It says, what frustrates me is I feel like I'm, I'm doing a lot of administrative work when I should be doing more assessment work or I should be telling about the business more. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just trying to dismiss a bunch of people. That's the yeah. right – that's a great recruiter because all they want to do is talk to people and put them in the right spot. They don't want to have to just move, move paper around. But so I think if they were that, a great that recruiter, wouldn't they go find a company that was awesome and go work for it? I mean, if they're a great recruiter, if they really understand what they're talking about, wouldn't they just go find a company that lets them do that? That'd be, uh, I would love that. We need, we, need, we, need like, we need internal affairs. We need, like, recruiters for recruiters. <laughs> yeah, you guys are losing me. Okay, but here's another thing from the – here's another some, – oh, look, don't say I let people talk. Okay, Uh or let don't let anyway. Here's another Thank thing you. from the conference. You're welcome. Chat-based messaging. Chat-based messaging in a professional setting has exploded in popularity in recent years. But what you may not know is this technology has already changed the way HR and recruiting organizations engage and interact with talent. And KPMG is on the leading edge of this trend chat based messaging for recruiting what are we talking about snapchat what's that about you were going to go there you're an expert in recruiting software tell us i mean this is this is just two way this is just a a two way communication venue right it, it's just it, it's it's replacing it's replacing what we used to do on the phone a bit to make it much more convenient and it's obviously all mobile-based. This would all die, by the way. If it wasn't for mobile, all the chat stuff would die. This is just about the fact that people don't have to pick up the phone and talk to you, and instead you can communicate quickly using any number of these tools, whether it's WhatsApp or Messenger or Snapchat, doesn't matter. It's just about convenience, and that's right. Whether it's KPMG or others, they're just using a tool to, to communicate with people in a way that they want to be communicated with. That's okay, great. hold on. Is this chat-based messaging just you go to their career site and the little box pops up in the lower right corner and says, hi, what do you want to talk about? Is that what it is? There's, there's some of that, and that mirrors – there are companies that do that 
um, on their career site, right? But they also do that for, say, their support or their t- uh, for supporting their tech or supporting their customers. And so that makes a lot of sense for them because that's how they get engaged with the marketplace. I think uh-huh. in some cases people tend to throw up a chat bot like that, and for the candidates, they're like, I don't engage with your company that way at all. Why am I now doing that here? That becomes a little odd. Okay. So it doesn't say, hi, I live five miles from your home. Do you want to go on a date? But it's pretty much the same, right? Well, there are automated tools like that that they will automate. Yeah, okay, it was a joke. It was a joke. As you you scroll down, Animal, as you scroll down a career page, it knows how far down you've gone. And then it's saying, okay, this person's interested. Let's ask them a question. That's automated. Uh Right, okay. and then that might engage, and that might get routed to a recruiter or get routed to a, a tech, uh, someone who's in a service center. That's yeah. up, coming up more, but we're just mirroring things that are done for consumers. Amazon's been doing that a long time. I mean, those, those we use those tools to buy stuff all the time. Yeah. Okay, but it's revolutionary in recruiting. That's what the promo says. You wrote an article. Does any, uh, you, am I losing everybody? Jerry, Maureen, uh, is this interesting? I'm keenly interested. Yeah. Okay. I was okay, actually uh, falling asleep. distracted okay. by Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is very distracting. Yeah, okay. You Listen, should shut it off. You wrote an article, Andrew. You said that being watched improves recruiting if you've got two managers or two people in the recruiting in the interview room they're competing with each other essentially and they they have to perform better and there's a much higher level of candidate experience because there's two people from the company watching each other is that true yeah so um you know as we look at we get data from companies uh where the candidates are giving us feedback on the interview process. And what we found is that companies that tend to have uh, two hiring managers uh, sit with a candidate and have a discussion or an interview versus one, in those instances when they've enabled that, their candidate experience improves. And that's usually only because the interview is a little bit more formalized. It's, It's a little bit more prepped and the candidate feels that they're being assessed. That's the feedback that we've gotten from our surveys. And so, so if you get two, that doesn't then you mean that three. everybody should have three, then four. Well, no. So, so where, 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 that, where it starts to tail down is when it turns into a panel interview. So, so the number... Like, it already sounds like a panel interview to me. It doesn't sound like it's anything new. Well, go ahead, I'll, Andrew. I'll Andrew. Andrew says there's yeah, a well, so, so panel interviews do not have the same response. Why not? Panel interviews don't have the same response. The, the data says if your interview experiences with your hiring managers one-on-one are poor, one of the ways that you can improve it is by putting somebody, another hiring manager in the room and making sure that they're both well-prepped and they formalize the process. And then what ends up happening is those two managers hold each other accountable. And then the interview, the interviewee feels, you know, like they're being assessed and they have a better score uh, on the candidate experience. That's what the data says. So is that more effective or does that make the candidate feel better? This is just about, like this is just about candidate experience. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a better candidate or that, the, that the, typically the hiring managers are giving us feedback that say that their interview experience was better that way. But it's really inconclusive. It doesn't. It doesn't match up. It, the data is not strong enough for me to say that really, well, I know really well. I know it's Deloitte. I mean, when you get to a certain point at the interview, you you are given a panel interview. I mean, it, almost everybody is. So that I guess maybe in my mind Kathy, and in my Kathy, world, read that's my lips, Kathy. Read my lips. He's saying this is not a panel interview. A two-person uh, interview, he doesn't consider that a panel interview. And a I panel understand interv- that, but I'm pushing back on that a bit. <laughs> okay? And I think that it's great to have more than one person in the room interviewing. It obviously is going to give a better candidate experience. There's two people there they can ask questions about the company. But, you know, it, it is a panel interview, and, and it's nothing new. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Manis. We're just happy you're alive. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Kathy wins. Okay. Now, now hold on a second we all there. Win. Hold on, uh, Andrew. There's a, a different like if you've got structure a structured interview process. Let's say there's three or four people involved in the interview process. Should they all ask the same questions, or should you divide the questions according to expertise? Because if they ask the same questions, then you can compare uh, all your notes against you know the same thing. Do you think so and so has a good knowledge of X Y Z? And you know, you got four people telling you I asked this question, uh, and blah blah blah. Uh, if but if they only specialize in their own field, like likability or some kind of special technical knowledge, then at the end you'll only uh, have to trust one person's opinion. You won't have uh, a wider range. What, which do you think works best? So I think um, you need to use. Um, you need to use dimension. You need to have dimensions that you want to evaluate a candidate on, and then you separate. So, so like in a dimension would be like we have to have someone with good negotiating skills. Okay, then what you might say is it's really important to have that. So let's ask two or three questions about negotiation, and so one person might get a question on tell me about how you use multiple techniques in negotiating, right? And then that's the one question, and then another person might ask a question on. Tell me about a time where you really had trouble negotiating with a customer. What did you do? So you might. So, so I don't believe you ask the exact same question. Not not all the time. Sometimes it does make sense. But I actually like splitting up um, the dimension and say, let's ask two or three questions on negotiation. You ask A, you ask B, you ask C, and then what we're going to do is we're going to do a feedback session on. How do we feel this person does with negotiation? Because it's really important for the staff. Andrew, hi, it's Phil here. I hope you're well. Um, just wanted to let you know, unfortunately, that Tim Van Bars has been called to Berlin to present. Um, so wow. um, he needs to find another time to uh, present to you. Um, and he's, he's very apologetic about that, but uh, hands tied on that occasion. Secondly, I've had Mark on the phone wondering what's going on and wondered also if you have any clearer vision on where you are uh, with Mark, you know, obviously compared to the other chat. We have some background you noise. Talking about what's going on here? Um, Paula and you. And you now the man is wrecking your show. I muted him. I muted him. Not That's what we do. But no, man, that was somebody playing uh, their voicemail accidentally. No, he was leaving a voice message. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, Okay. It sounds does, that like make sense? does that make sense, Animal? You kind of split it up that way. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, yeah, I guess. So I'm not reading. Not... Right now, here's what I'm doing right now. Since I'm starting to fade out on interest, I'm reading the truth behind <laughs> Costco's five dollar rotisserie chicken. Uh-huh. You know they salt and pepper those things at the factory so that the employee can just stick them on the skewer. Five dollars, man, and they're good. Are they real good? I'm, I'm glad I'm keeping your interest, Jerry. <laughs> you know what? If I said that, if I'm I just said sitting that, here in my stretchy pants. No, no, no. If I said you. that, animal would say, I'm glad you can eat, Kathy, and not eat through a tube. I would be totally. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You're it's right. Like I'm back, animal. Yeah, okay, Kathy, Jerry, would you like me to Jerry, send you a chicken? Jerry didn't spend three months. Jerry didn't spend three months in a coma. He just spends an hour in a coma every Wednesday between 12 and 1. That's when he's in a coma. Okay? Uh, no, I just, I, my, my brain just has this ability to tune in and tune, tune out, I mean, based on relevancy to my own little world. It's all about me, animal. This might, uh, this might be a very good show. I don't know. I don't well, know. Okay, I, I always, uh, you know, fine, Jerry. I like to hear what people are thinking, and you don't like it. Okay, fine. No, but I, I have... didn't say I didn't like it. You damn well did. I mean, it's not okay, it's no five dollar rotisserie chicken. I'm reading about I really chicken. Like those. I'm reading about chicken. Well, you're talking to the, one of the leading experts in the world. Excuse me, excuse me. I was just trying to bring the show back into some kind of coherence. You've got somebody leaving a message in the UK for another dude about a conference. Then we don't even know what he's talking about. I guess he's not interested either, okay? And he begged me to send him an invitation to the show. Oh anyway. Goodness. Okay, well, I'm going to do an ad, and then I'm going to ask okay. Andrew 
why benchmarking sucks. He wrote another article that said, ben, uh, just cut your answers a little short so Jerry doesn't fall asleep. Okay? Jerry you get my notepad out. Okay. But hey, everybody, you remember that our sponsor is Martin Snyder and his fantastic company, PC Recruiter, right? And Martin wanted me to tell you that he loves the fact that we're doing these ads for him on the Recruiting Animals show, but the Recruiting Animals show, which is a radio show, is not the best place to understand how the software works. And if you want to get these little bites of demos, these edible little chunks of information, go to Google and write in PC Recruiter 2-Minute Tuesday. It'll take you to YouTube, and there's a ton of videos there, and they're all divided in just two little bits of knowledge, so you don't have to fall asleep like Jerry while you're watching them. It's just bite-sized and fun, and you can learn about our sponsor, PCRecruiter.net. PCRecruiter.net. Soon we'll have a song. Jerry's going to write one. Thank you. For to, a uh, fee. I want a jingle, Jerry. I want a jingle. You know, I wrote that recruiting blogs theme song, and it was a global hit. Never stole saw that. a dime from stole it. that. You stole that from it. It sounded just like Sloop Dog B. Okay? No, it didn't. Recruitingblogs.com. Recruitingblogs.com. Yeah, you'll never forget it, will you? Yeah, because it huh? was a hit song. It was a hit song. recruiting show. Hey, didn't steal that from anybody. Sure did. Okay, you didn't realize you were stealing it, but you borrowed it. Okay. Didn't even borrow it. Didn't even borrow it. Nope, just came to mind out of nowhere. Yeah, okay. Okay, Andrew. Benchmarking sucks. You say we justify resources all the time that are valuable one day and useless, useless the next. If I had a nickel for every time somebody thought a tool, a process, or a system was a silver bullet, I'd have a lot of nickels. You know what? Oh, go ahead. No, I'll let you come. But, you know, make it Jerry. And give a Jerry answer to keep Jerry from reading about chicken, Okay. Yeah, see, 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 you want me, you want me to say why I think benchmarking sucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so because I think it's too, it's it, it's too general. Saying, you know, hi, we're, you know, here we are, we're a big business and we're a beverage manufacturer, and so I want to know how all the food and beverage manufacturers are doing. Well, that has some value, but it won't have as much value as if you actually got information about your direct competitors in those marketplaces that are selling the same sort of products as you, right? And that's what we need to do with recruiting. You know, I mean, people in D.C. aren't, you know, you know or, or in New York, if they're trying to find uh, coders or developers or whatever, they're not just competing with Facebook and, and you know, uh, Cisco. They're competing with all kinds of companies. And so they're just in that local market. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. is compare yourself to who you're actually up against, right? Be specific. That, and that takes more work. You know, if you're in the Chicago market, benchmark the, the Chicago market. Don't benchmark the nation. That's the problem. I thought you we were saying, Everybody wants I to be like was... Google. You can't all be like Google. Be like who you can, you know, find out who you're like, figure that out, and if you're going to move in that direction, great. Find those processes and be and, and go do likewise. Uh, okay, I, I I like the passion with which you said that, but that's not what you said in your article. You implied that what people are doing is they use a tool for a week. They say this is fantastic and tell everybody they should be using it, and then a week later, it's no good anymore. It's too late. These are these are very narrow perspectives that they overgeneralize and overpromise from. Isn't that what you were really saying? No, I think, I think, I think, okay, but I thought you were asking about benchmarking, not about, not about uh, technology uh, hold usage. On. I, I'm quoting, I'm, I'm going to finish this off by quoting your article, just so people know that I'm not the stupid recruiting animal, okay? It says, <laughs> <laughs> it said, just like Hillbilly Jerry, you know, that's Jerry's Trump. Hey, 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 hey. What? What? <laughs> what did this Donald come from, Trump? Hillbilly Jerry? That's your Donald Trump name, okay? No, it's Am not. I... I'm a redneck. Anyway, <laughs> to be precise, 
what? Well, you want him to call you Redneck Jerry as well? I'll bet you he can do that. But I think you. that's racist. I don't know. Uh, you know what? You just can't be too cautious in this, in this country right now. <laughs> I don't want any of it. Don't label me. I'm I don't want to turn on anything. He's not even mentioning what kind of music you like. He could be doing that right now and then just doing it kind of on the sly. He's a Rush fan. He told us already, okay? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't listen to Rush. Okay, okay. I'm just going to read what I quoted from his article because I love it when these people write these articles and then when I read it back to them, they say, I didn't say that. He says, we justify read that. Read it back, brother. We justify resources all the time that are valuable one day and useless the next. Okay? That's what you said. That's what I based uh, okay. my comment on. Okay? Oh, yeah. Now, so so that, that happens all the time. Right? We, we, we don't keep ourselves up to date. There's all kinds of tools that we buy because of the in the moment we want to get it because we have a problem we have right now. Versus, and then we mm-hmm. find a three-year deal for some technology because we're trying to solve a problem that we have over the next few months. That's Great totally point. Happen. When we should okay. be, when people always say my ATS stinks. That's what they say. Right? We hear all that. Oh, my ATS is awful. It's like stop. Your ATS solves a problem where you've got 40 different languages that you're recruiting for. You got to do this, that, and the other thing. That's what it's doing. I know you hate the application process, but it also does these other things. That was why you bought it. People tend to get a little bit too caught up in what value is, and they don't realize that sometimes you've got to make a purchase for the longer haul, and that's why you make that sustainable decision. Okay. Now, you also say, speaking of ATSs or AT, uh, applicant tracking systems, you say that a lot of the information that recruiters are putting into them is private information that doesn't really belong there. If they get it from, uh, if they get it from a public uh, website, that's fine. But if you get somebody's mobile phone number from a referral and put it into your system, that's not kosher. Is that what you're saying? And that's going to become illegal? Yeah, so, so in, some, in some places, uh, especially uh, not, not necessarily here in the United States, but uh, like a mobile phone number or a personal email address isn't supposed to belong in an employment system or isn't supposed to belong in an application system without actually the permission of the person or their consent. Meanwhile, we have, candidates, we have recruiters who don't know that rule. They don't know that legislation. And so they go ahead and innocently they hack and they do the awesome sourcing stuff that they do and they find someone's cell phone number and they go ahead and throw it in the ATS or they throw it into the CRM. Well, guess what? That CRM belongs to the company. That company now has data they're not supposed to have and they didn't have consent on. And when you're a big company, it's happening thousands of times. You're saying that's not true here in the U.S., but it is true elsewhere. Right, so like the data privacy rules within the EU, especially as we come towards 2019, have mm-hmm. all kinds of different consent laws. Mm. And so, right, so the problem that we have is companies don't even know that that data is sitting in there, mm-hmm. and so they mm. just need to be aware that we're not supposed to do it. If we have this data, we have to expel it because the candidates can actually say, I want to see what kind of data you have in your system on me. It's yeah, the law. I want to see it. Let's say sure. Come on over tomorrow afternoon. What if that information is out <laughs> there on the Internet? I mean, it's public then. Why can't you use it? I'm not saying you can't, yeah, I'm not saying you can't use it. I'm not saying you can't capture it. You just have to be cautious about what the rules state and around employment. And what ends up happening is an applicant tracking system, as an example, is usually the box that people say that person has formally applied, right? But if they didn't enter that data themselves and we enter it into the ATS in some jurisdictions, that is not allowed. That's not the U.S. Well, the U.S. has got its own set of rules. Not yet. Look at Massachusetts. You don't think that we're going to be able to... Yeah, well, we can't move from one step of the process in interviewing at Deloitte unless we do have a personal cell phone number for the candidate. The system won't let us do it. 
Really? Okay, but you but got permission. A, you got permission. It's between an applicant and a prospect. Mm, but I want to know. That's a big part all, of it. Time's almost finished. He, he, he followed up. Andrew's so smart, he came up with the next question before I said it. What about something like Massachusetts where they say you can't ask about the person's current salary? First of all, Andrew, is that good or bad, do you think, for recruiting? And, um, and, and, and is that a sign for the future for the rest of the United States? And what you were talking it strikes me that this personal information, that's also going to be a trend as well. Do you see these things exploding? So I, I think that we solve for that. So, so I actually, I actually like the Massachusetts law, and I hope it goes national. I do. Pshaw, I, I right. think that, a terrible I, law. I, I think, I think the concept might, might be in order for us to really kind of cure the disparity that we have for male and female compensation, is There's that we've no, got to publicize. Come on. We, we've got to publicize on the job spec. This is how much we're trying to make. This is how much money we're trying to pay people. Here's how much we pay people. I think that that transparency is coming. And I think it's the right thing. Once that's there, then we can start saying, this is how much we pay people here. This is how much, you know, women get. This is how much men get. We've got parity. I think we should start suing companies that require college degrees because it's unfair to men. (laughs) It's disparate impact. It sure is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, so, so I think it's we, I think it's a good thing. Okay. I, I think okay. It, I, okay. Just let me get by. You got four minutes. I just want to quick. Is the phone dead as a method of first contact? No. Kind of. No. You're trying kind to kill of. it. I want, I want to hear from to Andrew. Do? He's got the no, data. No, just recognizing He's got the data. reality, Maureen. Andrew. No. Yeah. Right. No. No. It's about. It's about. That's about preference. If you know the preference, if you know the people, how people communicate, if they like communicating on the phone, great. But it's a first contact. You don't know their preference. You don't know. It's a guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I think I don't think it's dead. I think that's it's just yeah. it's just another venue. I think if if you as soon as you start saying something is dead, now all of a sudden people don't use it anymore. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. The devices are the same. It's all on the, yeah. If I call someone on their mobile phone versus text them, you know what? You know, some people might pick up the phone. Some people might answer the text. I'm tired of pretending that we've got everybody's damn phone number, Maureen. We don't. No, of course we don't. So stop saying that the phone is the only way. I, we don't I ever, have the phone please, Somebody tell me we when I ever said the phone is the people. only way. Why are you shouting? <laughs> Somebody please tell me when I've ever said the phone is the only way. Uh, it's probably the tagline on your business card. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wait. You, you make it seem like it's a, it's a stretch for me to say that that might be a thought you've had. It's not. You've made a living. I've never said that. I've never okay. said that. What have you said that was close to that that I misinterpreted? No, never, never, never. You've never even gotten in the ballpark. No. <laughs> Oh. No. no. My last smokes more weed. Last question. Last question. Last question. Last question. Andrew. Andrew Godomsky. Any quickies about how third-party recruiters should be marketing to uh, corporations? How? What kind of business development calls? What would the ideal business development call from a third-party recruiter be? Maybe you don't have. Uh, I got my idea. pencil out. I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, tell me. I mean, I think I think a cold one is probably not what you want. Really? Right. Yeah. I. I you know, look. I, look. I remember the days when I was doing the most placeable candidate, the MPC days, and calling in and saying, "Hey, I got a great person that can solve your problem." I remember those days. Well, who do you go to? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of of being honest with somebody and just saying, look, I'd like to have a business conversation. Will you give me that time? And we've got a lot of value. Now, if the recruiter's not comfortable in having that conversation, then, you know, you know, figure out a way to make that conversation warm. But you've got to get somebody engaged and say, yeah, I will listen to you. Right? Mm-hmm. No one wants to be forced. You know, I, I, I think, I think you've got to just be honest and say, I'd like to set up time and talk with you, but you give me that business courtesy. You have okay. a great voice. You have a great delivery. That's a big part of it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of vague, but I don't have any more time to press you on it. I'd surely <laughs> like to. But you're going to have to come back again, okay? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Godomsky, thank you! Oh, can't be there.